0: There are nearly 300,000 University of Alberta alumni around the world. They are your neighbors, your community members, your colleagues. You'll find them in all manner of work, in all kinds of places. And when disaster strikes, you'll find them on the front lines. These are their stories. This is The Line. We get asked about students a lot. They are the heart of the university. The student experience is what connects alumni and this pandemic has altered that experience dramatically beyond classrooms and grades. Many of the essential support services students rely on, from career support to mental health counseling to the sexual assault center, are campus based and therefore no longer physically accessible. So, how has the university pivoted to help students? How are students coping with change? And what will be the long term impact on not just their education, but their overall well being? To answer these questions, we went to the Dean of Students, Andre Kostopoulos.
1: So the Office of the Dean of Students has a few major responsibilities in in the university. One of them is uh, student services. So everything from uh, career center to sexual assault center, mental health, uh, the health clinic, uh, undergraduate research, there's all kinds of stuff that uh, we do in the uh, and student services and that's one of the areas that the Dean of students uh, oversees emergency response of course crisis response when when students are in crisis uh, we we try to coordinate the the resources that uh, uh, that intervene and in, you know in that crisis and try to make sure that the right people and the right services are involved in the right order whether they're you know inside or outside the university so we try to uh, quarterback the uh, the response. Um, student rights and responsibilities is another big area for us. Uh, we, of course, are responsible for making sure that uh, students' rights are respected in the university and also that uh, students uh, respect their responsibilities and that would be through the Code of Student Behavior for example, so we administer that. Uh, and then we're responsible for ensuring that there are uh, equivalent outcomes for students across the university in different faculties for example, or when they interact with different services um, there are very good reasons why there are differences across the university in in outcomes you know for for students music students don't have uh the same needs as engineering students for example, and teaching music is not the same as teaching engineering but uh while the um the outcomes can be you know, unique and then make sense locally in terms of culture, tradition, discipline. We have to make sure that they're equivalent and and that we don't have major inequities across the university. So that's one of the things that we look at. Also, we work very closely with the faculties and and the central units to to ensure that. So that's broadly speaking, Dean of Students uh, responsibilities.
0: The Dean of Students Office has been providing important services to students since well before COVID took hold services that need to be maintained and accessible even when students aren't on campus. I asked Andre how students have been affected and what's changed for him and his office as a result of the pandemic.
1: A few things. First, uh, I think it's it's really increased uncertainty for students and, and increased their, uh, you know, what I would call their mental overhead. At, at any one time, Students are responsible, of course, for their academic progress, and they're responsible for for, uh, learning and growing, et cetera. But they also have a whole bunch of things going on outside of that. And we try to make sure that as much as possible, they can focus on their academics, and and we provide services to support them with with their other challenges. This has added some very significant challenges for students. Uh, One of them, as I said, being uncertainty. Uh, nobody knows what's going to happen, and especially not uh, young people who have never been through uh, any kind of crisis, really, uh, on this scale. And, uh, you know, what happens next? They don't know. We don't know. And we can only reassure them to a, a limited extent. So helping them to manage that uncertainty, I think, has been a, a big big part of our role. Uh, helping them with some of the... Um, some of the logistical uh, and pragmatic challenges that it brings like for example being uh, either being home away from the university which sometimes can be far or in a rural area with poor internet connectivity or sometimes it's being at the university away from home because they can't go home because the borders are closed and there are no flights etc cetera, etc cetera. um so there, there are a lot of, of new logistical challenges for students and we help them uh, deal with that. Another big uh, issue for us was transitioning services and supports to sort of remote delivery online, which I think actually was one of the smoothest parts of this. Uh, Starting to provide services online uh, went remarkably quickly. I mean, within a few days, literally most of our services We're up and running remotely uh, within two or three days of uh, the university sort of starting with real distancing measures. And that part has gone very well. Lots of people worked very hard on that for those those few days that the transition was happening, and we're still tweaking and refining and learning how to support students remotely. But everything is back up and running now, and all the services are available, all the supports that we normally give. But they're available remotely uh, in, in all kinds of ways, in various ways. So by video conference, by email, by phone, by you know text, uh, uh, we just provide a whole, whole range of channels for students to reach us.
0: Some student services have been easier to move online than others. The Career Center, for example, is still able to do mock interviews and resume consults through video chat. Andre notes that these new online services are well-received by students and therefore perhaps long overdue students
1: were uh, students were really receptive to it and I think some students actually prefer it and uh, our staff I think were ready for it you know our staff the, it's something that probably we should have done a while ago is to start doing this at least as an option when when possible and now that we have to do it it's it's gone very smoothly other stuff is more complicated like for example, counseling and, and mental health services. Well, we can provide that through telehealth, and it took a little while to to get. Th- that's the part that took the longest, maybe a week, I think, to to really get everything up and running because we had to go through uh, various you know privacy approvals for the tools we were using, whether it was by phone or by teleconference. Uh, there, there's a whole bunch of regulations around that, uh, and the you know the the various associations and colleges etc. were 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 very cooperative and and uh helped us to to figure out what tools we needed and and how how physicians for example could operate remotely through through telehealth same thing with the pharmacy um so it's yeah it's a mix of those um and it it's gone very very well
0: for most people covid has felt like something that crept up slowly and then happened all at once one week it's business as usual the next we're working from home i asked andre at what point his office realized they were going to have to make major changes.
1: Um, when when we started seeing uh, Dina Hinshaw on TV every day, <laughs> we we thought, okay, um, you know, we're, it's going to be, uh, the, the distancing measures are coming and we planned for it. Like we planned ahead of time. We started, I think, even two weeks before the real distancing started uh, we started having people who could work at home, work at home, right? We just said, okay, if you can go and, uh, we worked it out with HR and we, it, it presents some, some technological challenges sometimes. Uh, but basically the first directive was if it makes sense for you to work at home and it's not an issue, then go ahead and do it. And a pretty significant percentage of our services moved online right there. And then when uh and then we started planning uh okay what if what if we have to what if the university closes for example um what do we need to do then and then we started asking the questions what happens with the physicians what happens with the pharmacy what happens with the sexual assault center what happens with etc uh so we we were pretty much ready by the time the uh, by the time the the advice was go home and stay home we were we were already pretty much up and running remotely at that point.
0: As the pandemic continues, Andre and his team are meeting regularly to monitor the situation. When we interviewed him back in late April, he said his crisis management team was meeting daily. But he also said their focus was starting to shift to more long-term planning.
1: Uh, And I think the key question for me there is what are the parts of what we're doing now purely an emergency response? And what are the parts that make sense that we should actually keep doing, even though there's no emergency? So some of the stuff you know we would we wouldn't do if it wasn't an emergency. so because it is it wouldn't make any sense. And uh, that that we want to figure out how to stop doing that once the emergency is over and uh, do things differently. But some of the stuff we're looking at and we're saying, yeah, it makes sense to have. You know, video conference appointments for this service or that service, and we should have had that a long time ago. And so let's keep it, right? Um, and some things that we didn't think that we'd be doing eventually that that we are. And uh, so yeah, it's it's a, it's a. I mean, I hate to put it that way, but it's an interesting exercise in a sense. What when you get into the planning and recovery mode, the emergency response part is not fun by you know any anybody's reckoning. Uh, but it's necessary, and it's what you have to do first. But now that we're getting into planning a little bit, now, now it becomes a bit more of an intellectual exercise, and, and uh, it's thought-provoking you know, to think about the possibilities.
0: Planning seems to have gone smoothly for the most part. But I wondered about their areas of concern. As they transition to online delivery, what are they most worried about?
1: So one of the areas was continuity. Would we be able to continue serving students? Would the students respond? Right, would would they be able to reach us? Would they know how? Uh, and that was that was an issue at first because there there was um you know there were for example posts on Reddit or on Facebook that said oh student services is closed, and we always had to be running after that and saying no 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 we're not closed uh, the building is closed but services are open and services are operating and here's how you can reach us. So continuity of contact with the students was was a, a, a I think probably the biggest issue, because as I said, the transition to us working online was actually went very smoothly. And that that I wouldn't flag that as the biggest issue, but telling students we were there and letting them know uh, how they could reach us. That was, that was more of a challenge.
0: Some challenges students face right now are apparent to everyone. It makes sense to most people that more students are struggling financially right now, and that summer jobs are nearly impossible to find. We can understand how the credit, non-credit grading system will be an issue for students applying to graduate school or renewing scholarships, but it's difficult for me, from my outside perspective, to grasp the elevated psychological or mental health struggle students are going through right now in this period of uncertainty.
1: So there's increased distress, absolutely. And that's due to... uh, increased uh, I think um, uncertainty right the insert, the uncertainty in any situation uncertainty is is a huge stressor and when when there's this level of uncertainty about everything about you know what happens to your degree I mean the, the, what happens to your job in the summer what happens to your your parents jobs what happens to your grandparents who may be you know uh, uh, under threat from this epidemic uh, what happens to uh, really it's the future is a huge question mark for students right now at all levels undergrad graduates, uh, you know the graduate students, for example, their labs are closed right their grants are ticking away uh, their, their their collections might be you know and locked up somewhere and they don't know when they're going to be able to access them next. Uh, many of them are you know a higher percentage of graduate students are international students so they have this sort of added, Stress of what's going on at home, and I don't know, and I, I have trouble reaching people, et cetera. I wish I could be there to help them. Um, so it's it's um, you know the uncertainty of the whole situation of the future is definitely uh, generating distress, and students have uh, they have a huge amount of stuff to keep track of right now that they normally don't. And so there's that much less space for them to focus on their academics, and we have to, you know, we have to take that into account uh, in in all of our decisions. So right now it's more about you know, continuity of life than anything else, and the rest will you know, the rest will come later as part of the recovery. Like how do we figure out how to get people back into? their their studies and their learning because right now they're not we can't expect them to focus on that at the moment in many cases
0: i've read articles that talk about the lingering effects of trauma on young people they say that though children and youth are less at risk from the virus they will be profoundly affected by the pandemic the existential anxiety the household stress young people experience will stay with them will haunt them forever Andre agrees.
1: Oh yeah, forever for sure. It's it's like any other uh, big event like that, and it's it's going to have a certain effect on our students um, in the long term. But I think it's it's going to have a huge effect on the students that we get in about fifteen years in the university. Just like right now, you know, our our students are they're they're at that. That sort of hinge generation between the the pre and the post sort of 9-11 and uh they you know some of their uh first memories are, are from 9-11 coverage and you can you can see the difference in in the cohorts right between the students who don't remember 9-11 and the students who do um and this is going to have the same effect right so your your early sort of formative experiences uh If you're you're going to school uh, from home for like I don't know I don't know how long this is going to last but uh, you know six months or a year is a long time in a in a first grader's life Um, so this is gonna this is going to this is gonna Change the way they view the world, it's gonna change their expectations. It'll have that effect also on our students in terms probably of career and you know, in terms of you know the the sort of more more of the the um the concerns you know specific to grown-ups, but the the students who are coming to us in a few years, they will see the world quite differently from the way that I see the world, for example. Uh, and 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 we know that. Year to year, even, we see the differences between the cohorts. And if you look at five-year or 10-year intervals, um, there are big differences in the way that the students feel the world and the kinds of expectations they have.
0: Sometimes change can make us feel helpless. Hearing Andre talk about how the pandemic will affect students 15 years from now, I am left feeling like a spectator, like I'm watching a play unfold, unable to alter the ending. But that feeling is misplaced. It's a feeling that forgets that though we can't always stop bad things from happening, we can support the people who are affected. That's why it's so important that places like the Dean of Students, with the services they offer, exist. The last clip is a bit off topic. In his academic life, Andre's research looks at how behaviors evolve over time. I asked him how this pandemic might speed up that evolution.
1: Yeah, never, never, never going back to normal um you know you you never cross a river twice right uh you never cross the same river twice basically there there will be some there will be some major changes i think uh in frequency of of different practices and some of them will stay with us Uh, some of them won't you look at the the spanish flu which is the the 1918 flu pandemic which is sort of the nearest analog that we have to what we have right now, and it, it did lead to some some significant changes in in social practices, uh, and it took two years before you know, people were comfortable again doing large public events, uh, but the events were modified in some ways. So, and and hygiene practices changed, and uh, you know, medical practices changed. Uh, it's it's a we we don't know how we, there's no way to predict how things are going to change. The only thing that we can predict is that they will. And they have already.
0: The Line is a University of Alberta Alumni Association podcast. This episode was hosted by me, Matt Ray, and produced by me and Chloe Chalmers. Things happen fast in the pandemic, and we're trying to keep track by noting how these episodes function as snapshots in time. We recorded our episode with Andre on April 21st. At the time, there had been 3,095 confirmed COVID-19 cases in Alberta. As I record this on Tuesday, June the 2nd, that number is now at 7,057.